Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, Adam. Happy New Year. How did your Roosevelt's gifts go over with your loved ones for Christmas? Oh, they all loved them. And now I think I need to get myself a gift because Roosevelt's just dropped a new line of Mandalorian-themed designs, and I desperately need every single one of them. I think you deserve it. You know, new year, new Star Wars shows, new blouses. We've got the Bad Batch, Ahsoka, and the Mandalorian Season 3 coming out. So, of course, Roosevelt's is dropping a bunch of new great stuff. Their latest apparel drop is a six-piece Star Wars collection that just arrived with four new Kunuflex-style button-downs, one new Western-style roper, and a brand-new reversible bomber jacket that will definitely put a target on your back. Well, I have a target on my back right now because that's my favorite jacket. I love it. And you can get that jacket at a great discount if you go to roosevelts.com. That's R-S-V-L-T-S.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces, and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. That's rsvlts.com with promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. Hey, I'm Nick Gambarian. What's up, Adam? Oh, you know, living the galactic dream. We got Bad Batch back. We're batching. It's back. The bad, the, the bad. The Batchies are back. We're batched to work. <laughs> Season two, we're batched to work. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. We nailed it. Killing it. All right, it's just the two of us today because life uh, doesn't find a way. <laughs> Sorry to tweak your quote, Jeff. Mike and Ryan are both uh, wrapped up in stuff, so here, here we are. It's a duo cast. It's all good. So we're talking about The Bad Batch, season two, <laughs> like you figured. <laughs> it's good to be back. Nick, what'd you think? Did you enjoy The Bad Batch season two premiere? Yeah, I did. I saw kind of that opening scene, I want to say, for the most part, at a uh, celebration in the Bad Batch panel. Yeah. So. It was cool to get that out of the way, like that that was the opening cold open, kind of, I guess I would call it. Right, right. I, I think the one takeaway from that scene in particular is that Omega is like studying Imperial ships, which comes back into play uh, later in the episode, which uh, yeah. was cool. But I, I think that there's not too many seeds that were kind of planted in these first two episodes, but there's some stuff here and there. Stuff with Rampart and uh, who is Fee. Yeah. That was kind of, uh, you know, to introduce a new character who's just kind of there with no intention yet was uh, a little strange, but uh, I'm sure we'll find out who she is sooner than later. But it was cool. It was a good, like, kind of overall, like, soft launch, I feel like. My vibe overall was like a, a warm, fuzzy feeling of being back home in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, I loved Andor. We talked about this a lot, how it was incredible, but I think we all missed the adventurous, more kind of swashbuckling, classic Star Wars kind of vibe. And this brought it back. So yeah. that felt good. You know, lots of Kevin Kiner's big triumphant scores based on uh, all the John Williams vibes. Mm -hmm. Lots of jumping and swinging on ropes and shooting blaster arrows and shit. It was good. 
And I think we also had that kind of feeling with the Bad Batch now that we've seen them enough and we love them. So it's like the family's back, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. For sure. Well, let's get into stolen plans and then we'll talk a little bit more about our first impressions before we break down the episode further. What have you done with those plans? The Bad Batch, season two, episodes one and two, Spoils of War and Ruins of War, a two-episode premiere, debuted today, January 4th, 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus descriptions, one for the first episode, the Bad Batch plans a risky heist. And for episode two, the Bad Batch must decide who to trust as they plan their escape. Keeping it simple again, Mark's back. Can't even spoil Bad Batch, these people. (laughs) Created by Dave Filoni, of course, executive producer. The credits were interesting this time. There was a lot of, it seemed like they had like the all-star lineup, the heavy hitters, here's who's really in charge kind of credits. Yeah. Rolling slowly. And then when they got into the directors and the writers, it was just like multiple on a page just flashing through, you know? Mm-hmm. Supervising director is Brad Rao. He moved up to supervising director from the Clone Wars when the Bad Batch started, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right. Yeah. So he's back in that position, right? All I, I don't exactly remember his title, but he's he has been around. Episode one was written by Jennifer Corbett, who was also a producer, an executive producer, just like last season. Episode one was directed by Stuart Lee, another Star Wars animation veteran. Episode two was written by Nathaniel Villanueva, yet another uh, Star Wars animation veteran. And then episode two was directed by Gina Lucida Monreal, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. She was a producer on 156 episodes of NCIS and a writer on 29 of those episodes. That is some job security. That is a lot. And my guess is she is an old friend of Jennifer Corbett, who also worked on a lot of NCIS, probably brought her over. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought she killed it on that episode. Score again is by Kevin Kiner, like I mentioned before. Runtimes of 24 and 28 minutes on these. Starring, of course, a million D. Bradley Bakers. (laughs) Even more than last season. Even more, (laughs) yeah. I feel like it was him and three other people. Four? It is wild to me that he even, he came up with a slightly different clone for Wilco. Yeah. Even that was just like, oh, there's something different there. Yeah. It's the same, but different. Real crazy. Zach, the maker in the chat says, I wonder if he gets paid for five. I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah. Michelle Lang is of course back as Omega and featuring new characters, new actors to the Star Wars universe. Wanda Sykes as Fee, the most trusted pirate in Sid's extended friend group. And Hector Elizondo as Romar. He's, I think he's been in some other Star Wars stuff, maybe Star Wars Lego, but I know his face as Barney, the hotel concierge from Pretty Woman. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's one of those, I know that guy. He's a that you know, guy like You'd sure. see him on the street and be like, I don't know your name, but you've been in every movie. Yeah, you see him and just go, dude! And he just looks at you and says, okay, are you going to guess my name? Probably not, <laughs> but he's great. First impressions, we, um, we mentioned the, kind of the overall vibes I think it's uh, it's also, well, let, let's do this. I don't know if you went back and kind of dissected it all, but something I noticed, these two episodes seem to cover a lot of the footage that we saw in the trailers. Mm-hmm. I can't think of much that's left other than the few character appearances and like seeing Palpatine and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, there's all that Palpatine stuff. Yeah, I didn't go back. I mean, like I said earlier, I think maybe this was just a reintroduction, soft opening sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then maybe starting next week, we could get into less heist of the week and more fun stuff. You mentioned there being kind of um, 
little seeds planted of things to come. The big ones being the shift from mercenary smugglers mm-hmm. kind of to resistance fighters. Yeah. We really planted the seeds for that in this episode. The batch kind of disagreeing internally about what they are and what their life plan should be, what their responsibility is to Omega. And also planting seeds for the disillusionment of the active clone troopers working for the Empire. The final scene of episode two is the, is the biggest example of that. We've also heard from directly from Dave Filoni and some other people that that's kind of where we are in the timeline. So we knew that going in, but we really saw it drop in that final scene. I also like, um, like you're mentioning, kind of the lessons for Omega. Like there's quite a bit in there. One about recognizing the fact that she is a child who needs to continue learning. But it's funny and interesting that the way that they, you know, make sure she does her homework is to study yeah. <laughs> like ships and weapons and shit. Totally. And I think she's part of the crew. I think they're protective of her, but yeah. she's, she's for, she's absolutely one of them. And then some lessons for the Bad Batch as well, deeper layers when it comes to the war, you know, uh, those things being revealed to them, perspectives that they, they couldn't have seen while they were in the war. And we'll talk more in detail later. And beyond that, just a few, few little things, consistencies I noticed that help support those lessons and, and those uh, character progressions. They're still only using stun on clones. Notice that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the way they fight and everything there, you know, there's some like kind of just goofy action, but the way they fight, the way they communicate and the way they interact with people outside of their group is very mindful of what's going on in the galaxy, regardless of which side of the argument they're on internally with getting involved or just kind of staying safe and hiding and protecting Omega. It's interesting. Yeah. I I think that there's something to, you know, where the story is going with clones. Well, I guess we're going to find out what happens to clones and there is probably some sort of clone uprising that the empire has to deal with. Not that the bad batch knows that though. I think they're using stun guns because they don't want to kill literally their brothers. Right. But I do think that there's probably something to that where they're not killing them because eventually they're all going to be kind of okay. And dare I say like on the bad batch side. So yeah, we'll see. All right, let's get into a, a little bit of synopsis and discussion. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Episode one, Spoils of War. It opens on the beach, just like we saw in the official trailer. The first few shots, I think, are pulled straight from the episode in in that trailer. Full crab rave vibes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. No. That video. It's like this CG rendering of crabs on a beach dancing to this EDM song. (laughs) I love that. It looks so much like it. Henry Clark, patron, uh, pointed it out this morning, and (laughs) it's hilarious. Like, you almost wonder... If they were actually inspired by that, like they came up with this idea for the beach and they were like, oh, dude, it'd be funny if it was crabs like that video. <laughs> Let's just break that right now. Yeah. Let's just say yes. Thank the maker exclusive. I want to make a TikTok video and a, a reel and everything. I'm just going to mash it up. <laughs> Shout out to Henry for the idea. Uh, like we talked about, they're, they're making sure Omega studies, but it's 
it's just interesting. It's that thing, just like um, when they tried to dump her off with, what was the clone's name? Cut McQueen, right? I think that was Cut. Yeah. Hunter didn't know how to be a dad. You know, he was treating her like a little soldier. He learned a little bit in that episode, but they're still on that. It's like, don't forget about your studies. Don't forget to go through these weapons manuals, basically, is like their thing. So she's doing that. Uh, they're on this mission on the beach, and they get back to Sid's place where they meet the Wanda Sykes character, Fee. And apparently Sid told her all about the Bad Batch, which they aren't stoked about for obvious reasons. But Sid assures them she's, quote, the most trustworthy pirate I know. So Fee's a pirate. I feel like we're going to get into some Hondo situations here. Mm. They wouldn't have taken the time to say, you told her about us? What the f***? Yeah. If it wasn't going to come back and bite them in the ass. That's planting a seed for something. Count Dooku's war chest is the mission that they're going to go on. Fee is apparently tipped off Sid about Castle Sereno on the planet Sereno where Count Dooku formerly lived and ruled that planet, destroyed it. We see the destruction later in the episode. Mm -hmm. There's a giant vault, essentially. The war chest is this giant vault of Separatist war spoils. A bunch of credits, weapons, who knows what else. Art, I'm sure, things like that. The planet has since been occupied by the Empire. It's destroyed because they bombed it out just like they did Camino. But there's this giant cache of loot, essentially, and it's enough, according to Sid, to set them up, the Bad Batch, to truly live free, to go hide and have all the money that they need to not have to be mercenaries and whatnot. They get there to the planet. They see that it's destroyed. It's a heavy moment for Omega and the Bad Batch. They mention it's just like Camino, orbital bombardment. The Imperials, they, they see them there. They're commandeering and transporting the war chest off-world. They're trying to just take it all. It's all clones working there. We meet a new named clone. It's Captain Wilco. He's smart, very skilled. You mentioned, Nick, his, his voice being a little bit different. I'm sure that's deliberate because he's the mm -hmm. one in charge. He's the one with all the, the skills and the, and the rank. He's like predicting the Bad Batch's moves. He does this one thing where they're in the transport and they're trying to escape. They're going to use the escape pods. He ejects them all before they can use them, just predicting that that's what they would do. So they really set this character up to be like someone special who you would guess, just like Hauser, is smart enough to know better when it comes to the Empire. And we'll, we'll see that in the final scene. We'll talk about that. Hmm. Basically, the Bad Batch gets into one of the containers in the transport, starts gathering shit up. All hell breaks loose. There's a big battle. They get split up. And that's the end of episode one. Yeah, it's kind of a fake cliffhanger because the the shipping container is like falling and the episode just ends. Right. Because episode two was also <laughs> coming out tonight. It wasn't like much of a, what's going to happen? Right, just, right. You found out one minute later. So episode two, Ruins of War. It's Omega Tech and Echo stuck out in the woods because they were in one of the containers that was on the transport. It fell, you know, it had retro rockets to land it. And it landed, it didn't crash, but it landed on the edge of a cliff. It's like, you know, literal cliffhanger, <laughs> kind of um, old trope. But they're out in the woods. They end up meeting this old local man named Romar, who we mentioned earlier. They don't really trust each other for obvious reasons. They say, you could be working for the Empire. And he says, well, you could too. You know, it's kind of a mutual distrust. And Omega's like, why do you live out here in the middle of nowhere? And he says, we had no choice. Basically, when the Empire showed up and blew up all our shit, it was run and hide or or die mm -hmm. so they have him take them back to his house they tell him what the deal is along the way and they kind of get to know each other a little bit when they're back at the house they start talking about what they're doing they're there to steal some of this loot and romar's obviously not very happy about it 
And Omega says, well, it's stolen. We're just going to take stolen stuff. And he's like, yeah, well, who do you think they stole it from, essentially? Mm-hmm. You think Dooku funded this war effort by only stealing from outside worlds? No, he took from us, his own people. Which is, you know, that's a common thing here on Earth, too. It's, yeah, I, I want to say, like, Iraq, you know? Like, that's one place back in the day that was just, like, Hussein was probably at a gold palace while everyone else was, like, borderline impoverished, you know? So right. it's for sure a real-world thing that, that happens still. And it's another like we talked about earlier, peeling back the onion layers, the perspectives of people who, you know, the marketing campaign of the the team that you fight for would lead you to believe are the enemy, but they're, like you're saying, also victims of the real enemy, you know, the people at the top, the puppet masters of the, of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Romar and Omega go downstairs. Romar's working on something in his house. The Bad Batch kind of tells her, hey, go watch this guy. Keep track of him. And he gives her this like kaleidoscope kind of thing. She doesn't know what it is. He says, hold it up to your eye, you know? She looks in it, sees the spinning, the twinkly lights, whatever. And she goes, it has jewels in it. <laughs> She's all excited. And he's like, no, it's, it's only reflected glass. It's an optical illusion. And Omega says, then it's not treasure, which is so funny. It goes back to the, the conversation earlier about what they're teaching her, whether on purpose or just through experience. She's a little kid who's never been able to be a little kid. Even on Camino, she was like part of the, the lab and the cloning project. Mm-hmm. And now she's a mercenary out there like on missions, heisting treasure and shit. And last season she was excited to see dirt for the first time. So she <laughs> yeah. definitely doesn't know what a kaleidoscope is. Right. And he's like, he goes, it's a toy. It makes you happy. Like this is news to her. Mm-hmm. Right. And he says, and believe me, that is worth more than any jewel. So lessons like we talked about earlier. Mm. Back upstairs, tech and echo are arguing about the war chest as we mentioned earlier, Tex says they're no worse off than they were before if they don't get it. But Echo says they need the money to do more, essentially fund a rebellion. Yeah. Is what they're alluding to here. He says the empire's getting stronger and we're still doing nothing about it. Dude, if we, we could see Saw Gerrera again here, I don't Mm -hmm. want to start speculating, but like the number of people that they could get back together with in becoming part of the rebellion is so exciting. Yeah, I I think, that's where this is all going is the, the, I don't know how much of a like back and forth there will be between Hunter and Echo, but it seems like Hunter wants to protect Omega and Echo is more like, we have to start fighting back. We have to, we yeah. have to do something because we're doing nothing right now. He's the right character to be pushing that for that too. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the dude. He's got one arm. The war literally tore him to pieces. So the, this is going to be a great opportunity for his character to really step up. He was a great character in season one, but he didn't get much time in the spotlight character-wise. So this is going to be great, I think. So Romar's working on a data core, a Model 2 data core. Who knows what that is? It's a hard drive, basically. It contains a history about his people and tech goes, a separatist archive? Fascinating. And Romar says, not separatist, Serenian. We did exist before the war, you know. <laughs> and, and, and tech says, I never thought of it like that. So just like we talked about earlier, everyone learning lessons, perspectives, it's, it's very much like, you know, we, we saw a lot of this in the actual Clone Wars series. We saw it in Rebels a bit where you go meet people on planets that have been destroyed, thinking like Geonosis, stuff like that, where it's not binary, like Star Wars of 1977 led us to believe, you know? And I, there's something to be said about the Bad Batch, I mean, all clones, being made in response to a war and that involved the separatists. So they were born into a world that they only know separatists versus the other side. So they really wouldn't know 
Sorrento any other way. Right. <laughs> it would just be a, a separatist uh, colony or planet or something. Omega ends up going back for the war chest against the Bad Batch's orders, advice. They just tell her, no, we're, we're not doing it because it's on the edge of a cliff. doesn't matter. We need to get out, basically. They go chase after her. You know, they turn around. She's gone, basically. They go chase after her. And there's a, a very Indiana Jones moment where she's like dangling, trying to just reach. She rounds up like a bag full of credits, I think. And it's Echo reaching for her. And she knows she heard a conversation earlier where Echo talked about the reason they've done everything the way they've done it is for her. Their life changed because of her. So she says that in the moment. She says, you don't have a normal life because of me. And Echo says, you have to let it go. And it's like fully Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. We talked yeah. about this before. Junior. <laughs> <laughs> Indy and Elsa, and then Elsa falls to her death. And then Henry Jones Sr. and Indy, he's about to repeat the same mistake right in the moment. And Sr. tells him to, to let it go. It all works out. They're fine. They escape. There, there's also, while this is going on, a battle between Captain Wilco and his squad with Wrecker and Hunter. Wrecker and Hunter end up escaping. Everything's fine. But Captain Wilco and his squad did identify them, did see who they were, did recognize them as Clone Force 99. So at the end, the final scene, Vice Admiral Rampart, who we know from season one, appears. He and Captain Wilco have a little meeting. Wilco with his helmet off, showing his face. Very deliberate choice to show, hey, this is another individual. He's got his unique, specific kind of flat top. He's got his own voice, like you said earlier. And Rampart says, I noticed some uh, inconsistencies in your report. It says that you saw Clone Force 99. That's impossible because they died in the bombardment of Camino. And he's like, well, I, I saw them for sure. And Rampart says, well, you're not going to submit that report because if you do, Tarkin's going to be pissed. It's going to come back on me. So you're going to change that. And Captain Wilco says, I will not falsify an official report. Rampart turns around and says, well, then I will. Blasts him, shoots him off a cliff, kills him. Yeah, that was surprising. I, yeah. I thought they were... Clearly, they were going to do the Disney thing where, you know, he shoots, but you don't see it. Right. And then the next seat is him falling. I'm like, oh, whoa. The body. <laughs> My God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, right in line with Andor, Nick, you put this note in here, how these Imperial scumbags are willing to do anything, cover up their own failures by killing anyone who might out them just to keep their job and mm -hmm. allow them to climb the ladder. Yeah, it's never really about the right thing to do or the greater good or what's best for citizens. It's ladder climbing and their job and their job security. It's pretty awesome that we're getting, we're, we're carrying those same themes and messages across such a wide spectrum. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago from Andor all the way on the full drama side down to animation that's mostly made for kids. It's really cool because you, you can make stuff for kids pretty dumbed down. Mm -hmm. It could be simple about, you know, don't steal, um, don't punch your friend on the playground <laughs> and teach lessons. Or you can teach deeper lessons like this, that if, you know, you're a tween or something, mm -hmm. you have to think a little harder to get to. But if you're watching it with your parent or something, these are great ways to communicate the exact same stuff that we're getting in this like HBO prestige drama level show of Andor. We're going to skip the Den of Antiquities this week because there's not too much deep stuff. Yeah, we already talked about that Indiana Jones thing. That's the, yeah. the ultimate Easter egg, I would say. There was one thing I don't remember in Sid's office there. There's, I want to say it was like a white, like uh, Boba Fett helmet, like a Mandalorian. I don't know if it was mm. like the actual supposed to be a prototype. I don't remember. If, I kind of vaguely remember us noticing it last year. But if not, 
there's definitely a white Boba Fett like prototype helmet in her office. Yeah. There's your Dan of Antiquities. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have plenty of stuff when the season wrap up. You know, unless there's big stuff that we notice, we'll, we might just do a big Den at the end. But let's do I Love You, I Know Now. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, quotes, and moments. Nick, you have some from the Jedi Council tier patrons, do you not? Yeah. Sky's the Limit says his favorite quote was, Hunter, why is Omega hanging from the ship? And Tick says, it is an unscheduled study break. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes on to say, barely minutes in and we're already seeing Omega being a little badass, so... That was uh, from the Discord. And then here in the live chat, Zach DeMaker says, I like the part where Romar is telling Tech that Sereno was a planet full of people before the war. It was subtle, but I think it's important. And Derek said, I liked AZ still being around. That's... uh, Yeah. He seems like he's just a waiter for Sid. Yeah, greeter at the door. Better than being dead on Camino. (laughs) What was your favorite part or quote or, or moment, Nick? My my favorite quote is between Romar and Omega about the kaleidoscope and it's a toy, it makes you happy and believe me, that is worth more than any jewel. That's a good one. And my favorite scene, just because of the implications, is the last scene with Rampart and, and Wilco. I want to see what's going on there for sure. Damn it. <laughs> for sure, dude. For sure. 100, what else could you say? <sighs> Truly? No, I just have a nervous twitch now. I don't know. For- for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I might just go with the exact same thing you just said. The, the It's a toy. It makes you happy. And believe me, that is worth more than any jewel is something I wrote down immediately. Mm. That whole exchange, really everything between Romar and, and Omega was great. Romar and, and everyone. Any revelations like that? Any of those like deeper pulling back the layers kind of moments? I love especially with the clones, because like you talked about earlier, they know nothing but what they were born into, what they were bred into. Mm-hmm. So seeing those awakenings, you know, it's like Neo coming out of the matrix, you know, we're seeing it across millions of people and it's exciting. And when that butts up against someone who's an Imperial scumbag, like Rampart at the end, 
that's just, that's great storytelling. That's just great drama to watch unfold. I also like just watching clones again, updated clone. Um, I, I assume they tweaked the sculpts a little bit in the, in the, the 3D animation. I assume that mm-hmm. the textures are all updated. It all looks great. And I liked seeing the, uh, what do you call it? Kind of the shoulder guard, the shoulder pauldron that the, the higher ranking yep. clones have in black rather than a, yeah. an orange or a different color because they have them now kind of, they're reduced to just black and white. All their personality's gone. No one can paint their stuff anymore. So all of that's part of the transition. So anytime we saw that squad of clones and then culminating in the end with the scene between Rampart and Wilco, that's my favorite stuff. Not specific, but that's my favorite stuff. Overall, great couple episodes, like you said, kind of like a soft opening, just getting us back in the world. And I'm excited for next week. I'm excited for the whole season. We got a lot. It's a, it's a big season. I know we covered a couple of weeks ago how the season is laid out as far as episodes go. So this was a two-episode premiere. There's a two-episode like middle, mid-season mm-hmm. kind of arc. And then the last two episodes come out on the same day too. So maybe we're just leading up to those bigger moments. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. But it's fun considering we, like you mentioned earlier, we saw most of the trailer. We know there's some Palpatine stuff coming. I feel like people have... I haven't heard what the rumors are, but people who have heard spoilers or rumors were like, oh, that's interesting. So there might be a couple of surprise characters here and there that spice the show up a little bit. Well, we know we're getting Rex back. So Mm -hmm. that alone gets me stoked. All right, we could pull a quote of the week, but we'll just give it to the one that Nick and I both mentioned. It's a nice poetic life lesson kind of moment. So we'll do that. I won't read it again because you've heard it twice already. (laughs) Like we mentioned last week, or like Mike drunkenly just spilled out into the universe, we have another Mosh Eisley coming July 21st, San Diego Comic-Con. It's happening. We'll do an official announcement out to social media with graphics details, all that kind of stuff, venue information, pretty soon. This month, I would say. We want to get tickets on sale plenty in in advance. We'll have merch. We're going to try some new stuff with bundles and things like that. So there's a lot to talk about, a lot to reveal. And we're stoked. If you want to listen to more Thank the Maker Star Wars content, we have Armor Party Podcast, hosted by Mike Forrester. You can find them at Armor Party Show on social media. Princess and Scoundrel, that's Steven and Sarah Masio. That's Disney and Star Wars Park going. They're at Princess and Scoundrel Show on Instagram, at Princess and Scoundrel on TikTok. I'm at Adam the Skull on Instagram only. And all my social media is at Nick Bayside. And we're going on tour in a month. Get your tickets if you're out there and you want to see Bayside. Bayside. Have I told you that story? <laughs> I don't think so. I'll tell you after. Remind me. <laughs> this podcast is at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Patreon.com slash Thank the Maker Pod is where you can go to support this podcast. It is the only way that this podcast happens, truly. Patrons are what keep this battle station fully operational. We are launching some new stuff. It will be soon. I ho- had hoped to get it up by January 1st, but the holidays were the holidays. So we're a little behind. But We have all the tiers laid out. It's going to be new cool stuff, new merch, new perks, new features, new content. Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod. ThankTheMaker merch. For ThankTheMaker merch, we have, um, I'm wearing one right now, Daughters of Ferrix shirt. Shout out Andor. And that's it. Everyone, thanks for listening, Nick. I love you. I love you. I'm excited to go on this bad, the batchy journey. But it's batch. Let's batch out of here. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, do that. Um, Otherwise, until next week, may the force be with you. (laughs) 